Hey, this is Michael, and welcome back to Elevate Retake. We want you to experience faith as the continual everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and God. I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. First off, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us in 2021. And if you haven't heard yet, this week is the week of four podcast episodes, maybe even a fifth. So you've already listened to God, Our Light with Chaplain April Snyder, the message podcast. Glad you caught up with that. This is the retake of that message. And we're looking forward to tomorrow to share a message with you called What Love Does of Gods and Raisin Cakes. Can't wait for you to hear that one. But today we're talking about God, Our Light. We're talking with Chaplain April Snyder. Taylor and I are sitting down with her. She dug into Isaiah chapter nine and focused specifically on verse two and took us around to some different places in scripture. But if you got your Bibles, you're going to want to be in Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. And in case you're wondering, here is a little bit about who April is. Um, Well, I'm April Snyder. I'm the associate chaplain at Southwestern Adventist University and do a couple of other things, teach a class at the university, I teach a class at CTA, and sometimes I'm here at the church, so I'm kind of everywhere <laughs> doing a bunch of things, many hats. And so we sat down to talk about it and to dig deep and unpack what God has for us in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter nine, I mean, it's a, it's a long chapter and you know, there's so much to unpack in it. So I just stayed in verse two, really kind of set the context with verse one and then sandwiched it with verse three. But I really want to stay in verse two, that the people walking in darkness had seen a great light. And then I wanted to take that notion that we are now in the same situation in these days so we need to be the light as well. well. Like while people are walking in great darkness, people need to see the great light, which is the character of Jesus and God. I definitely felt that. I loved it. Um, I guess I didn't realize how important it was like to me, like hearing it, hearing it the first time, I was like, man, this is such an awesome message. But what what can I like, what can I take away from this? And I was asking myself that. And this morning I actually listened to it again. Cause I was like, I really know I like, I, I've struggled before, like with Michael, I've said, I loved the message, but I had to ask myself, what did I get from it? And I had to dig deeper. And sometimes I feel like I understand it. I'm like, Oh, I get it. And I'm like, wait, but there's gotta be more. Cause obviously like understanding the Bible is really difficult. And whenever I went back and really asked myself like what did I get from your message I loved it because it helped me see Christmas in a different way um instead of I mean Jesus is the reason for the season and that's always preached but sometimes you hear it so much that you forget how true it really is but instead of seeing it just as remembering what Jesus did for us at Christmas I saw it more as Jesus call for us like here's what I did for you now you go and do it for others instead of just like hey look at what I did and that that was really cool to me because I I guess it was something I hadn't thought about before yeah I love that that passage in Isaiah, just the like the poetry of it yes, and the, yes. the, the the juxtaposition that you had of like what Jesus fulfills in, in this passage. Mm-hmm. 
And then like you mentioned, Taylor, the calling that he yes. places on our lives. And I just, I'm in awe and wonder of how God does that so beautifully and eloquently that there's this, this image or this piece of poetry or this uh, fulfilled prophecy that Jesus does. And then he flips it on his head and says, I, I want you to, to do the same. To, to follow in my footsteps and to follow in my way and to think about how Jesus shines light on my life and then I get to reflect that into other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I definitely, I think God is very thrifty and nothing hmm. is, no space is wasted. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's no ground is not covered. Everything mm-hmm. is covered and which is so amazing. You can always pull something out of it and always be like, wow, what do I, what can I learn Mm-hmm. from this and how does this affect my life today mm-hmm. like i said i felt like i understood it but some of the things that i have to say are more like oh, i loved how you brought no. this out or <laughs> you know so like one of the things that did stand out to me is how you brought up the point about 2020 and i mean it's been awful in some ways and great in other ways it depends yeah. on how you look at it but the way that you brought up the point what's going to change in 2021 yeah Yeah, like how are people how are people just thinking like oh like as soon as as soon as the clock strikes midnight and like magic yeah dust over the land and we're all gonna be great (laughs) yeah everything's gonna like restore itself but what's cool about the message that you preached is that it's like no we can change if you want to see the change then be the change and i know that's kind of like cliche sounding or like you hear it all the time but that this part right here is super important particularly because this podcast is being released the first week of 2021 we already know that not much has changed in our world thursday night last week ball dropped in new york fireworks around the world and there wasn't this magic switch that put everything back to normal but what's important in the meantime is to realize that we individually can be the ones that bring about a change in 2021 so no matter where you are no matter what you do i encourage you to be a part of that change be a part of that light be a part of that love that shines forth from the manger to impact people's lives even today it's just magically we're going to be different and no there's several reasons why i said that you know i said that for the people that are hoping something will magically change Mm -hmm. but i also said that for the people and this is this might be kind of controversial for people that are magically hoping that jesus is going to suddenly come right now and they don't have to do anything and Mm -hmm. and jesus is going to wipe the slate and that's he is going to come like that is wonderful and that Mm -hmm. is not something to shy away from Mm -hmm. nor not talk about that is a beautiful thing and i think that is every christian's burning hope within their heart yes but this whole like i can remain as i am and Mm -hmm. just just look up at the sky until Mm -hmm. it happens is is not doing is not being the light of the world it's just being there and it's it's I don't think that's yeah. enough. And I think there's a lot of people who just want to just be like, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Don't do anything but read your Bible. <laughs> and that's it all day long. And it's like, yeah. but how will other people know? Yeah. How will yeah. other people like there are some people there. yeah, that don't have anything to look forward to in life? And unless mm-hmm. you're doing something in the between time, you know, I think Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night, yes. regardless of whether you're doing his work or not. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, we should be doing his work. And so, the fact that he hasn't yeah. come yet 
lends credence to being diligent and yes. letting other people know about it. Yes. And we spent several episodes in this podcast talking about the return. Yeah. Yes. And all of that in Matthew 24 was right. in context with how you treat other people. Mm-hmm. What are you doing before the master comes? Mm-hmm. And it's not the time to uh, just crawl in this bunker hole and um, store up your canned goods and just read your Bible like you mentioned and just kind of hole away. Like mm-hmm. there's people that need to know about Jesus. Yes. And it's not the time to, quote unquote, flee to the mountains or to uh, just just completely remove myself from the conversation, the situation, mm-hmm. because there's still hope for the the lost sheep of this world. I myself being a part of them, there's still hope for me. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. And we have to be so, so diligent in, in shedding that light to other people, mm-hmm. even more so now, because we can feel the, the birth pangs. We can yeah. feel Jesus coming mm-hmm. soon. But that doesn't just say, oh, okay, cool. Jesus is coming soon, so I can just be on my little Mary Take care way. of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And, you know, when you look at what's happening, I didn't even know the stuff that's happening in Honduras. You know, I, I heard that, you know, they haven't recovered from some of the hurricanes that have hit them. Mm-hmm. And it's what, what, how are we going to help people? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much that we can be doing as lights of the world. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Jesus's example as being our star so we can shine like stars to the world is so important. And we cannot let that slip away, even if we have anxiety or a fear about us not being quote unquote ready. But I feel like readiness mm-hmm. is doing the work of the Lord. I yes. feel like that is what yes. readiness is. It's not, I mean, like those who seek to save their life will lose it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't understand if you're seeking to bunker away I don't know if that's really what God has called you to do, so. No, I don't think so. Not at all, especially now. One of my favorite quotes comes from Mr. Rogers. He would talk about a time when he was facing a difficult situation in his life and his mom would tell him, look for the helpers. The helpers can have opinions about what's going on, but the helpers are defined by what they do. And that is help other people. I think that's what God wants us to do. In this crazy world that we live in, in this new year that we found ourselves in, how are we being helpers for others? And this led us to John chapter 9. And I remember as I was listening to this sermon as April was preaching it, thinking about a particular verse that stuck out to me from chapter 9. But um, it says, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And that mm-hmm. that stuck out to me uh, as Jesus is, is telling his disciples. Because his disciples are worried in that story about uh, whether the guy sinned or not or whatever. And he's like, hey, the point is you need to to work while there's still light. Right. It's not the time like, oh, yeah, okay. We can just not. Come on. There's still light. And there's still people that need to be reached. And so let's continue to work. And that that passage, that stuck out to me. In Jesus's life, he worked until he could not work any longer. Yes. You know, <laughs> so he really did. He maximized the time that he had. And even then on the dying, even on his dying breath on the cross, the thief on the cross next to him still, he still, mm-hmm. he still was putting in work for that. And I think that is, that is such a true lesson. What I also love about that verse is, when it talks about 
you know, he, he says to them, this guy was born blind so it could show the works of God. And, and it's not about what you like, why are you judging people mm-hmm. like by that? Mm-hmm. And that's why I tried to say in Isaiah chapter nine, these people had been walking in the darkness, but no one's asking why are they walking in darkness? Because Ooh, they deserved it because yeah. they were bad or their ancestors mm-hmm. or their family was bad. That's why they deserve the darkness. Yeah. And we would, would we say that about ourselves right now? If we are the people walking in a great darkness, you know, and, so, you know, all those years they spent in in um, Egypt, was that because they deserved it? And so this kind of notion, and I love how Jesus says it right there for the man to hear, because I think he has been burdened with that for years. Mm-hmm. People have been telling him, well, you deserve what you have. You deserve to be blind. You deserve. But that darkness, you know, was so symbolic. And it's so symbolic for what the, the disciples. Let's talk straight for a bit. Right? We can't work out our own salvation. No, that's nothing that we can do. But Jesus calls us to love others. And what does that look like, right? As we go about our everyday lives, what does it look like to be about helping other people? Within Christianity and particularly this denomination that we're a part of, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, culture sometimes dictates that I can't help you right now because it's my Sabbath or I'm not in a position to help, whatnot, whatever. Jesus lived a life that was radically different than the culture that he was brought up in. He still found a way to integrate his life into that of societies. Our relationship with Jesus should impact our relationships with other people. And we cannot claim to have a relationship with Jesus and not love other people. James will say that straight up in the first and second chapter of James in the New Testament. He says, we can't be saved and not bear fruit. It's like, nevertheless, nine verse one, Mm -hmm. nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Yes. And he's like, forget about it. It's like, whatever. focus on it. Darkness is darkness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And we talk, uh, talk a lot sometimes about um differentiating sin and like and that's what the disciples thing was like who sinned this guy or his parents like who has the greater sin who has yes yes. he's like darkness is darkness yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's just going to pass away there has been a people that uh, will walk or there the people who walk in darkness will see a great light doesn't matter what the darkness is because darkness is just darkness but there's a light that's coming Mm. that we need to keep our eyes on you know hanging around jesus all the time you you know maybe the disciples thought wow this guy can you know jesus is the light of the world he's messiah he can read people so you know being part of this christian group you have this ability maybe Mm -hmm. to look at people's lives and say this is why you are where you are right now. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you know, don't use me for that. Like mm-hmm. this guy, it doesn't matter. Like he is the way he is so that the glory of God can be revealed. And I think sometimes the more we know, the closer that we are in our, in our Bible, sometimes we can get caught up in judging people and saying, you know, maybe you're not worthy of these things because you chosen the darkness. And I think Jesus didn't want anyone to be lost, even the Pharisees, which mm-hmm. is why I mentioned the story in John chapter eight of the adulterous woman and that he didn't yell at them. He just wrote quietly on the ground and said, if mm-hmm. you're without sin, throw the first stone at her, mm-hmm. which, you know, he didn't, they didn't have to walk away at the revelation of who they were in their character. They could have stayed and they could have, you know, been like, wow, 
come see this man that knows all about me, just yes. like the woman at the well, <laughs> you know, but they, they chose to walk away. And I think Jesus respected their, uh, their opinion and their desire. I think it's really easy to relate to all of what was just talked about because we still do that. I know I still do that today. I look at people and I'm like, oh, well, they did this. So I'm okay. I mean, like I've done bad things, but that's worse. Yeah. So it's easy to compare, like try to compare our bad deeds. And that's just, not only is it not fair, but it's none of our business and like, let Jesus take care of it. So that was a good reminder to me. Cause I'm like, yeah. it's so easy to look at people and be like, oh, I'm okay because I'm well, better than that. I have to remind myself too, you know, when I look at Revelation, I look at the church of Laodicea where Jesus, you know, says, you think you're rich, mm -hmm. you know, you think you know. And I think we misinterpret what it means to be rich, what it means to see. Yes. When he says that you need mm -hmm. eye solve. I think we mm -hmm. think that we can predict things. I think we think that we are rich in our knowledge mm -hmm. and rich of our understanding mm -hmm. and that we can just say, oh, I know all of these things. And it's, Jesus is like, you need to see clear. You need yeah. to see your own sin and, yeah. yes. and you know, don't, don't focus on the sins of others and your wealth. That's everything belongs to me. Nothing, mm -hmm. nothing belongs to you. So, you I, know, I even as a pastor, I don't always get it right. And we never do, right? We're sinful human beings. We're not perfect. Only God is perfect. And the challenge that we face as we're trying to be the light and to live out the way of Jesus is that sometimes we do fall short, even those helpers that Mr. Rogers talks about. But our job isn't to just reminisce on how bad we've done, but to move forward and to see how we can continue to help with what's in front of us. All Jesus holds us accountable to is what is in front of us. And if we are diligent with what we do, with what we say, how we speak, how we act, how we treat other people, right here in this moment, we'll make a difference in others' lives. Church, when you mentioned that verse from John chapter 9, verse 4, and then I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, I wonder what Ellen White had to say about that. Oh, and she wrote um, Testimonies to the Church, volume 9. She wrote a whole bunch of of. Uh, letters to to people and to the the church at the time um, just sharing um, wisdom from God in those and she writes this kind of in along the lines of that passage um, she says my heart is often burdened because so many who might work are doing nothing they are the sport of Satan's temptations every church member who has a knowledge of the truth is expected to work while the day lasts for the night cometh wherein no man can work Ere long, she wrote, she was writing in the 1800s, ere long we shall understand what uh, that night means. The spirit of God is being grieved away from the earth. The nations are angry with one another. Widespread preparations are being made for war. The night is at hand. By the way, she's writing this actually at the turn of the, the 19th century, 1800s into 1900s. So early 1900s, she's writing this. And yet it sounds like it's today. Uh, mm -hmm. Let the church arouse and go forth to do her appointed work. Every believer, educated or uneducated, can bear the message. Uh, eternity stretches before us. The curtain is about to be lifted. What are we thinking of that we cling to our that we cling to our selfish love of ease, while all around us souls are perishing? Have our hearts become utterly callous? Can we not see and understand that we have a work to do in behalf of others? My brethren and sisters, are you among those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not? 
Is it in vain that God has given you a knowledge of his will? Is it in vain that he has sent you warning after warning of the nearness of the end? Do you believe the declarations of his word concerning what is coming unto the world? Do you believe that God's judgments are hanging over the inhabitants of the earth? How then can we sit at ease, careless and indifferent? She continues on. She's just getting warmed up. Wow. Every day that passes brings us nearer the end. Does it bring us also near to God? Are we mm. watching unto prayer? Those with whom we associate day by day need our help, our guidance. They may be in such a condition of mind that a word in a season will be sent home by the Holy Spirit as a nail in a sure place. Tomorrow, some of these souls may be where we can never reach them again. What is our influence over those, over these fellow travelers? What effort do we make to win them to Christ? Within our faith tradition, we look forward to the day that we get to spend eternity with God. But we're not promised that with our neighbor. All throughout the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, there's this word called hagios, which means holy. And when that word is in a singular form, it refers to God. Only God is singularly holy. And the only time that this word holy is used in connection to humanity or describing mankind. It's always used in the plural. We cannot be saved without each other. We are saved together. We're the saints. We're the, the holy ones. And so as I look to how I treat my neighbor, how I love someone beside me, I have to realize I don't have eternity with them right now. I will one day right now here in this moment when I've got this opportunity to reach out to someone beside me. It might not be bringing them to baptism or to a new relationship with Jesus. All I have is a moment to share a little bit of hope and a little bit of love right here, right now. Educated or uneducated, like spread his word regardless. Mm. And that stood out to me because I took it personally, I took it more as, um, you know, I'm not theology. I'm, you know, a communication major. And so coming in and doing a podcast, it's kind of scary. Like, <laughs> oh no, I don't want to sound like silly or, you know, my questions to be like mundane. Um, but it just even more so like showed me, which I hope I can show others, like it doesn't matter, like your career walk in life, um, your spiritual walk is completely different. And I love how it doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated, it doesn't matter. Um, doesn't matter any of that. All that mm -hmm. Jesus cares about is your heart. And I really loved that. Yeah. That's what stood out to me. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing about theology. Just because you're not a theology major in school mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're not doing theology. That's true. And <laughs> yeah. so, you know, theology just means the study of God. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I get that how intimidating like the Bible or God can be because it, it intimidates me, even though mm -hmm. I've devoted my life to studying that and have an undergrad degree and a master's degree in that. Um, and April, you're working on your master's degree in that. That's awesome. And, but that's, I think the beauty of who God is, is that God is intimidating. Yes. But he sent his son to come and to shed light mm -hmm. and so that we can understand. Yeah. And so that even if you're not a, a, a student studying theology in school, you can still have an understanding of who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, um, this is a might be a controversial hot take too. <laughs> I think some of the the 
some of the people in our world that understand the Bible the best mm -hmm. are not theologians in the academic mm -hmm. sense or in the mm -hmm. pastoral sense. Yeah. Um, because I know it, it, at least my experience and seeing some of my fellow colleagues, we can be so distracted by our academic studies in looking at this thing that we call the Bible that all we see it as is a textbook instead of a living and active word from God or a love letter that he's written to us. Uh, and so that can be distracting, but I've seen some of the most profound, deepest theolo theology and understanding of who God is um, from those who ha have not dedicated academic studies to it, but have dedicated a life mm -hmm. to God. So I guess I left the best for last. My favorite part of Ooh. the sermon, um, what really stood out to me, and it was hard to like pay attention after because I was kind of like in like a moment of shock. Um, <laughs> Whenever you were talking about, I, I don't remember what came like right before or right after, but what stood out to me, as soon as you said, Jesus understands you, like I, that, that sentence, just that statement immediately, I felt like, oh my goodness. Cause I think, I think you were talking about, I don't know. I think you might've been talking about Jesus weeping or, yeah, um, they're Lazarus crying and yeah. Jesus understands you. And I just like, that hit me. I like felt that because, you know, each of us has our own struggles and sometimes it's hard to feel Jesus. And whenever it's hard to feel him, it's hard to be the light and it's hard to have that, um, drive. And so whenever you're just like, Jesus understands you, like whatever you're going through, like he speaks your language. You might mm -hmm. think you're crazy for being scared about this or being scared about that. And it, do it doesn't matter. And I, yeah, I really loved it. It was hard for me to like mm -hmm. pay attention after because I was like, oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> well, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus weep or Jesus, Jesus weeps or Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we just overlook it yes because but yeah. the context of the situation is interesting because it's like he is literally about to raise lazarus up and mm -hmm. i think he knew he was coming to do that he was probably preparing himself for it and instead of just bypassing all the emotions that people were feeling mm -hmm. he embraces those emotions and it says double times that he was moved he was deeply moved like mm -hmm. he deeply moved and then he cried yes. and then you know he was deeply moved again when he got near the tomb when was the last time you truly experienced emotion? Not just stubbing your toe or the Starbucks barista giving you the wrong order, but when you lost someone, when you were late to an appointment, when you were frustrated, or maybe when you were exuberant and happy and joyful, Jesus relates to each and every one of those emotions. Emotions are what ties us together. And Jesus, in this moment of his life, as he's mourning the loss of a dear friend, weeps. He takes time to experience emotion. Now, on the flip side, Jesus doesn't just want to build up hype and good church and emotion and cool and call that good. No, there has to be a balance between those two things. But he deeply connected with our human psyche. He created us after all. Why would he not connect with that? He knew us and you know, sometimes we don't know the name of the person that we're supposed to be helping or care for. But as we connect with Jesus, as we experience life and we empathize with the person that may be hurting next to us, as we empathize with the person who may be feeling joy or any other array of emotion, 
we have the opportunity to step in and to be a helper. I really enjoyed my conversation with April and Taylor on this particular message. And a big thank you to April for preaching in my stead for this last episode. Hey, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for spending time with us on this podcast. I'm just so blown away by how God has been using this to connect people with people and to connect people with God. As always, I encourage you to like and share. Share it with someone who might need this episode. And we'll see you, hear you. I never know how to finish these off. We'll look forward to catching up with you tomorrow. God bless.